Happy Monday night. Welcome to another Raw. How we doing? Yeah, another episode of Raw. Get my uh, get my feed started going on here so we can interact with you guys. How we doing today? Uh, oh man, I just remembered. We're doing a. Uh, are we doing codependency? Woo wee! This is gonna be a fun one. All right. Yeah. I think we've all had some. Uh, <laughs> I've been What's looking the... forward to this subject all week. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? What I'm looking for? We've all had uh, been, been affected by this one, I think. So. Oh, there we go. We're all looking at the phone. Yep, now we're uh, staring at our phones here, trying to interact <laughs> with you guys. Yeah. Chad's hey. not feeling good. He's got the bug. Yeah. I'll live. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm, I'm sure it'll. I think you'll make it through. I think. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so happy Monday. We're, uh, we're here for another, uh, another episode of Raw. And uh, Super Bowl. And Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, Super Bowl just happened. You had a party? Did. And? It's good. Good. Yeah. Good. Wife won 150 bucks. Nice. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, how'd you, how'd you win? You guys? Up to the board. Oh, okay. So, nice. It was good. Nice, very good. I honestly did not watch a single play of the game. Were you working? Not one. I well, I had to work, yes, but then uh, you got up and you just got care. home. Well, nothing. No, yeah, I don't really care. Okay, but uh, that I don't have regular TV, <laughs> so right. it's kind of hard to tune in. To I don't even have just rabbit ears. So yeah, yeah, here we are. Did you really mean, like? I just don't care. <laughs> I like you know I used to watch it. I just, I'm not, I just don't like all the hoopla. Well, I just, uh, I'm just not big on the hoopla at all. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes you know, checking the news. I don't care. I don't five care Five minutes about checking the, the news feed show. the next morning, and you pretty much have a, know what's going on. Right. You know what happened. And everybody's posting play by but, plays anyway. So, the I game. mean, but hopefully, hopefully you guys got to get together with friends and family and, uh, and make memories. You know, I mean, really, that's probably the most important part of the Super Bowl was the halftime stripper show. <laughs> halftime stripper show. Hosted <laughs> <laughs> by Christina Aguilera. No, Shakira and uh, J-Lo. So, yeah. that was nice. Yeah. They even had a pole out. Oh, wow. Stripper pole and everything, huh? Yep. And J-Lo brought her daughter out, which was, you know, just brought it a nice family inclusive environment. Family, family stripping, huh? You know, families who strip together <laughs> stay together. <laughs> That's. I have daughters. I might have to watch it. I'm gonna have to watch that halftime show. We'll see. Any good commercials? Ugh. Oh, there was there's any that stand out. There was probably one that stood out the most. There was a Jason Momoa. Remember him, Aquaman mm. guy? Yeah. Commercial. He's talking about how he wants to be comfortable, so he comes home. And he rips off his arms, and it shows him like all skinny. And then rips off his other arm, and then he lifts up his shirt and rips off his abs and sets it down. He takes off his hair and sets it off to the side, and he's like, "Ah, now I can be comfortable." <laughs> <laughs> Just shutting all right. Away. There was another one uh, that was okay. That was the Alexa commercial about what they used to do before Alexa, and they were oh with Ellen. I did see yeah, that. Yeah, and they one, went yeah. all the way back to like the ninth century kind of thing of like. Yelling at the servants. 
<laughs> and then uh, like one was on the Oregon Trail, and they're like, uh, "Hey, El- Alex, I think is what they called the guy." And so they left today. He's like, "Play my song," and he starts whistling. Oh the yeah, in the in the jug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was uh, pretty good. Good yeah, deal. It was it was all right. Good deal. How was your guys' week? <clears throat> I had a good week. I had a good week. Sick kids dealing with that. Um. What else happened this week? Well, got back from a call a week ago. That was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Winter Carnival, right? Winter Carnival. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good times making memories up there, yeah. Mind what'd you do? Uh, my life's always an adventure, man. <laughs> Just dealing with stay-at-home dad, so I deal with the kids. And then uh, the wife's in school and works full-time, so she's busy, you know, so it's just busy in my house. <sighs> Do you want to share your news from the doctor? Yeah, yeah. I'm debating it. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, you just let it <laughs> kind of I, back. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. In there. This is raw. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, that's true. Like, like I feel like I'll be blunt with you. I mean, it's I just mean, a possibility, but... Right. Of all people, you know, probably Chad's probably a cool one to talk to and vent about the <laughs> shit while I'm... I'm but I'm actually head. surprised how well I'm taking tonight. it. Yeah, right? I'm really surprised how well I'm taking it. Because, like, I had to jump through the hoops and shit. Because I've had my neck, sur- uh, well, neck surgery three times. Okay. The first time was really successful. And then a few years later, and they came, went back in, did it. It failed. A year later, redid the surgery. That was two years ago, April. Wow. And so I went back in because I knew something wasn't right. And so... And it's pretty much confirmed. I go and have to have some one more test done, and then they'll know for sure. But yeah, I get to have surgery again on my neck. Pretty oh. stoked about it. Yeah, yeah. So Why? that'll be the fourth time. Just fused. Yeah, fusion. I've had uh, three, four, five, and three, four, and four, and five fused. Wow. And four and five keep failing. So. That's Twice now. Twice yeah. now. Huh? Where's four and five? Huh. Right. Right near. Right there. Huh. Isn't it four and five that if, like, you have four and five... My dad's a chiropractor, I should know this. But isn't it four and five if you have four and five missing, it's, like, uh, essentially uh, internal decapitation? I do not know. I'm not decapitated. Well, I know that, but I'm just just saying, like, I think that it's just... Final, like you can have like literally it's cut off but then you're still like able to move around that would be creepy I don't know yeah. that would be creepy the old That's creepy. Doll. right <laughs> <laughs> no feeling in your extremities but you can still move them yeah definitely but yeah so like I could have taken it really bad and I mean I was a little bummed about it but sure I mean I'm still kind of bummed about it but shit happens you know what I mean like I could I could sit there and wallow in it and be all pissed because I mean it sucks, dude. It puts me down for a while, sure. you know. And I like my freedom. I like to be able to drive. I like to be able to get around. And that yep. goes out the window for right? a day or two. And so here like I am, two months, sitting here going, right? "Shit, I'm back to this again. This is the fourth time." Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah. I tell you what, you know, it's. It's so hard when you, when you just feel like you have health problems and, and those health problems just keep kicking you in the teeth mm-hmm. over and over again, um, you know, and to have an external outlook of a positive outlook, 
is so hard. Um, but hopefully everything comes out okay. Yeah, I mean, and that's where, like, I'm a guy. I still do stupid shit. <laughs> right? So, like, I figure, what? you know, Never. I, I figure I'm broken, right? <laughs> it's not 100% confirmed, but, you know. Sure. So why not take on, you know, redoing the kitchen floors? <laughs> why not? Because, you know, I can. <laughs> At least right now. <laughs> Seems like it. So, like, I decided, you know, and then in the process, you know, incorporated, you know, having my buddy Craig help me. Mm-hmm. Inadvertently, he doesn't, he, I mean, he knows, but he doesn't know. He's like, well, shit, I guess I'm doing so you're gonna party take on a, tomorrow. You're going to take on a supervisor role then? <laughs> You know, you know me. I'm a control freak. Chelsea says, you? No way. I'm a, con- I'm a freaking control freak. Well, I think we all have to have that. Speaking of control freaks, uh, that kind of brings us to a topic today of codependency. And narcissism, usually codependency and narcissism goes hand in hand. Which, who wants that? Who wants the definition of narcissism? Who wants the definition of codependency? Oh, I don't want either of those. I don't. Right. All right, Reed, what's I, a narcissist? I, I, I don't know. Generally, I question... I don't know. I'd have to look it up, man. Anyone know? Jamie, do you know what a narcissist is? Yeah, they should know. Somebody give us a definition of a narcissist. Somebody tell us what a narcissist is. All right, Ben, what's codependency? You're looking at him. <laughs> You're looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's one way to get it there. That is um, um, the the thought, the idea that uh, you can't do anything unless you got help. Partly, okay, right. I mean, to the to the extent where you won't even try to do anything unless you've got that that external force to help motivate you. I think. Well, and and. That's kind of it. Well, codependency is a learned behavior, first of all. Let's, let's start with codependency. Codependency is a learned behavior. Meaning no one just starts becoming codependent. I mean, you, you didn't become codependent just out of birth. And like, you know what, I'm going to be codependent. And to be clear, codependency is not you have to depend on everyone else. That's not exactly what codependency is. Now that... <clears throat> sorry. That... Uh, Obviously doesn't fit the definition that well because obviously codependent means I'm co. But codependency really comes down to the fact that it means that we're trying to fill a void with someone else. Okay? So it's not you need to be financially reliant on or you need to hold on to this person. But essentially, there's something that's missing within myself because it's considered a... And and the best definition... Could you be co- codependent on, like, say, shopping? Would that be kind of it? Well, or is that I mean, kind of different. Uh, was, uh, you yeah, see you can. I mean, codependency. The term, the term came from mainly when it came from enabling addiction, but now it's been known as the relationship addiction. So, in numerous counseling sessions, this is a huge, huge thing. I mean, my wife will tell me, tell you that I watch multiple movies, and I'll be like, codependent. Codependent. <laughs> she hates it. She's like, I hate that word. She ever not want to watch <laughs> movies with you? She doesn't like doing much of anything with me anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> um, 
So codependent. Oh, I should be wearing a mask. <laughs> I'll just use my built-in filter. <laughs> What's that new flu? <laughs> right? That new virus? You got the coronavirus? <laughs> Shannon says every song, every movie, every story. That's there's codependency there, according to me. Uh, no, so it's like it's a learned behavior. It's a learned addiction. So a lot of times you see someone do it. So like, let's say, for example, you have... A mother who's constantly covering for the father who's an alcoholic. So she's constantly trying to make sure everything goes well in the house. Hey, we're going to all walk on eggshells. We're not going to make dad mad. We're going to do this, 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 and this, and this. Mm. And, it's, and codependency enabling obviously go hand in hand. Um, where codependency has transitioned over the last 10 years is when it's become relationship addiction. So it's not even an addiction of like, hey, I have... Uh, alcohol problem or I have meth or I have this or and we're enabling that because that's easy to understand it's like okay hey don't go get them alcohol anymore if they have an alcohol problem now it's relationship addiction where man and it starts so young like like seeing it with kids nowadays it's just crazy like seventh graders feeling I can't live without them you know and I have to call them every single second of every single day and I gotta check in and this creates the tendencies of jealousy possessiveness control, all those things that we're going to be talking about that also leads to narcissism. Now, we're not going to be able to cover everything, obviously tonight, because this is a huge, broad topic. So kind of tonight, I'm going to give you an overview of what this looks like. So codependency happens because we come from dysfunctional families. So what's a dysfunctional family? I think it would be easier to describe what what's considered anymore yeah you know what i yeah, mean yeah. because like there's so many variables anymore within the family unit that right that have impact on children sure you know and well the whole unit as a whole so i mean what's the norm look like anymore yeah no definitely i mean i think I mean, without going into, like, necessarily that you have to be married, but, like, you know, the dad's involved, the mom's involved. Sure. You know, like, what's what happens when you take that stuff out is what we see, you know what I mean? And I think that's, it's, there's so many, I think that's become the minority anymore, oh, you know what I mean? Fully. I, I fully 100% agree that that has become the minority, and I think... We look at dysfunctional family differently. Most of us look at dysfunctional as an okay, they're going to jail, they're doing this, they're they're no one's being fed. But dysfunctional family is actually defined as anytime there's hurt. I like that, Janet. Almost a setting on the dryer. Almost a setting on the dryer. <laughs> but uh, anytime there's hurt, pain, shame, fear, blame, and it's either ignored or or. Uh, 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 hidden like it's either ignored like it's not important that's not important to us or we just don't talk about it and you know so people who come from dysfunctional families learn we don't talk about these things we don't discuss our feelings we hide from them we don't feel we don't touch we don't connect we don't trust so therefore the codependent learns you're starting to agree <laughs> no it makes so the codependent learns survival mode, which is essentially 
they do everything they can to repress their emotions. And usually it's because they grew up with someone else who was the mentally ill or the physically ill or the emotionally ill or the addicted ill in the family and they got all the focus. So therefore my, my feelings don't matter. Hmm. So if little Billy, I mean, you even see it with terminal, terminal illness or people with a long-term, uh, uh, what's it called? You know, term when it's called long-term sickness, uh, there's a word for it. Whatever. Anyway, when someone's really sick and everything, and they have terminal uh, illness, not terminal. They're not chronic. Chronic. Thank you. <laughs> chronic illness or, or or those kind of things. You see this with them where someone is chronically ill with MS or or these other things where everyone else feels like they can't actually have their own feelings. Like they feel like. All my attention needs to be focused on this other person who's sick. So therefore, they repress their feelings. Does that make sense? They're invalid, so <clears throat> right, why they, have them? They feel like their feelings are invalid, so they, yeah, they're like, mm -hmm. why have them? I, sh I shouldn't have them because Billy's the one who's sick. Billy's the one who's struggling. And so Billy gets mom's time, my, mom's focus, mom's attention, and everything like that. Meanwhile, I'm over here trying to, you know, hey, look, look, look at me, life. I got an A. Nobody cares. So therefore, because nobody cares, we start to learn that let's repress our feelings. And then as we get into relationships, this is where it turns into relationship addiction, we learn that's what we have to do. Meaning, anyone who is codependent, they do anything they can to avoid arguments. Why? Because arguments are uncomfortable. We don't want to have arguments because if we start to have arguments, we try to walk on eggshells. We try to avoid it at all costs because it would. Well, an argument consists of you voicing your opinion, voicing your feelings. Right, right, yeah. exactly. And that's also part of it is a huge part of this. And we, we've talked about this before, but that comes down to the V word, which is value. Obviously, if you grew up with codependency and problems with codependency, then value is missing. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden it feels like I don't have enough value to express myself about these things. Or to share that something's really bothered me. Can you guys, either one of you guys, think of a time when, you know, you have sunk down or kind of hid your real feelings or things like that to appease somebody else? Well, yeah. Even not like necessarily to appease, but to um, maybe in a sense of protect. Uh, my, for example, my neck. I didn't tell my wife for a long time because she's in school. She has all this other shit to worry about. Right. I didn't want to worry her about other shit that she didn't need to worry about. Sure. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, in that sense, yeah, like, I repressed it. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to name, I don't know, to name just one. <laughs> Hell. Um... I've, I've often felt that why I, I'm not going to stir the pot. I'm not going to create any more tension or any undue turbulence <laughs> right. for my feelings. Yep. I mean, why? I'm just, okay, say okay and let it go with that. And I will deal with my own feelings, you know, as they, as it is. And, sure. And, and not be a catalyst to 
stir the pot, if you will, anywhere else. Absolutely. You know, and Janet mentioned it's a breakdown of family values. Yeah, it is a breakdown of family values, but it's also not necessarily even a breakdown. It's a generational value thing of where some people just don't talk about feelings. We don't share that. We don't discuss it. It's the same way you posted, I think, uh, today or yesterday about the mental health being a stigma. You know, we don't want to discuss those things. So in turn, we become a form of codependent, and we want to keep those relationships alive at all costs. So in this case, what that looks like is we confuse love with pity and rescue. So there's a few types of codependence. Uh, that, that's funny. What? Nothing. It just, I was just thinking of some other people I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it just came out. It was, it, just kind of, it was one of those, yeah, there's people I'm thinking about here. I'm like, ah, I got a name for you now. <laughs> so we got a few that kind of play a part of this. The first is you have the codependent, dependent, passive. Okay, best way to think of her is think of her as Rapunzel, right? That's the girl in the tower. Yep, long hair, right? Mm -hmm. Her. So she's the one in the tower. She wants to be rescued, but she ain't even gonna go to the ball like Cinderella and try to actually meet someone. She expects someone to come to her and rescue her and save her. And we all know someone like that who is so <clears throat> entitled and wants to be codependent that they are literally like expect every relationship to be almost a rescued attempt. Does that make sense? Yep. <clears throat> then, then, we, then with guys, it can look a little different. Like they, like well, if we, I've seen it where they want to be the rescuer. Well, we'll get you know, to like yeah. they seek. Well, yeah, you know what I mean? Get to the, well, and then speaking of the male's flip side, because, you know. But the codependent, dependent, passive for the male is the type that just expects someone to want to take care of them and they don't want to, you know, like, work, not because... You know, like, there's nothing physically stopping them from work, but, like, they're just like, eh, yeah, I don't want to Is that do. common? It actually is, which just surprises me of just how many marriages I come into when I, and, uh, that, I, that I meet with, and there's guys just like, yeah, I bounced around from jobs. I don't really have any desire or care to work or do anything. And she's making the money, so I'm okay with that. So that's, like, that's foreign topic to me. I don't, I don't fully understand that I mean just how that works I mean obviously when someone has a physical injury your neck all that sort yeah, of stuff that's right. a different thing well, but I even imagine that with your neck injury have the same. you went through kind of an identity kind of crisis at first to kind of oh dude like I don't get to work anymore dude, I can't I provide for I my family I lost my shit for about two years right <laughs> well, absolutely I mean they're, they're, and my wife would probably stay longer than that <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a long. It was a longer than that. Like it was a big. It was a big issue. Well, it's hard to find that identity within it, kind of thing. Um, and so I think that that codependent, dependent, passive as the male looks like essentially they're just not driven anymore, and they just are happy to either be an heir to the throne, you know, just kind of collecting an inheritance, and they're waiting for that payday to come in, and one day. Or those kind of things, or they're playing the lottery and just hoping something's going to rescue from the situation, but they're not actually taking actual action. Oh, see that? I can't. Like that, I just can't fathom that. Then you have the codependent dependent. The codependent dependent is Cinderella. Now she 
wants someone to rescue her, but she actively goes out and seeks it. She's not going to lose Gold her slipper at the ball. What? Gold diggers. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. This is kind of there. <laughs> I will. I will clarify that I do not believe all gold diggers are codependent dependents. Reed might have a different saying on that, but uh, I was just going. I was just adding my humor there for a second. I, appreciate I thought that. it was funny. I thought it was funny too. Uh, no, but codependent dependents. No, you're fine. Is is like uh, Cinderella. I mean, Cinderella, she had to go to the ball to actually lose her slipper and for him to come <coughs> looking for her. Ariel actually had to come out of the water. Why am I only coming up? I have three daughters. Why do you use <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm on point with you because I got my two daughters. I can't even tell you how many times I've been on that aerial ride in Disneyland. Exactly. Jesus, I know that aerial in and out, so go ahead. <laughs> Ariel's got to come out of the water and everything like that. And she wants her Prince Eric and she wants her, her, her guy, but she still has to make the effort and put herself in that position. But she's still being rescued. Does that make sense? But she had to give up her voice or something, didn't she? She did have to okay. give up her voice, but that was her own self-sacrifice. I can't even believe I just fucking said that. Anyways, I regress. So then you got the codependent dependent. I mean the codependent, just the straight codependent. And what that is, that's the person who just, they bring home rescue animals. They bring home, they collect pets. They collect people like pets. Um, this is where Chelsea should probably turn it off. <laughs> Waiting for that comment. Coming up. I know, right? Uh, so, so, like in in college, I had this kid whose his mom reached out to me, and I'll, I'll admit I was pretty codependent. Um, and you know, I I uh, had this kid who reached out to me, and this mom reached out to me and said, "Hey, I don't really have a place for him. I'm not connecting with him." So I let him move into my apartment. They moved into my apartment for like, I don't know, two, three weeks. He One night, like, I mean, he, you know, I, I'm like, oh, I'm going to rescue him. I'm going to save his life. I'm going to turn him around and put him on a good path. And they're going to sing songs at me at the YMCA, you know. Uh, no, I kicked him out in two weeks. <laughs> Partly because, well, I mean, he was exactly how his mom said. Uh, he was, uh, you know. He was sneaking out. He tried to sneak out. He tried to sneak girls in. He was got into the alcohol. One, one night specifically, he we came home, me and my two roommates, and I don't know how my roommates possibly lived with me because I constantly brought people in. I'm like, hey, I found a homeless person that needed, you know, a place to stay. And so, here you go. Now, there's a difference. Part of that was giving, then part of that was codependent. Um... The aspect where I didn't get anything out of the relationship with the kid and the aspect that I didn't do, that wasn't really codependent. Codependent is when we actually are trying to hold on to something. So when I let the kid go, I, I didn't really care. I mean, I cared, but I, he was worth more trouble than he was worth, you know what I mean? And the homeless guy, I was cool with just letting him come in for the night, and that was it. Um, it wasn't like I needed to hold on. My roommates, like I said... Wow. They literally came in multiple times. Oh, my Lord. They literally came in multiple times, and they would come in, and they'd be like, uh, who's on the couch? I go, I don't remember his name, but I 
picked him up at the gas station. See, I always wondered. I always wondered that movie Half Baked, where there's the guy on the couch. The guy on the couch. It was a Chad that invited him over. Yeah, right. That's what it was. He just was. Hey, where'd the guy come from? I don't know. Chad invited him. I got a couch. Absolutely. Uh, so you've always been about like this <coughs> airbrained stuff, like last minute. Not airbrain. I wouldn't say. I mean, I say airbrain. I say that. No, I know. It, it, it's just where you more, just like spur of the moment, like, "Hey, we're gonna sleep outside because you know the homeless people do it. And yeah, we're gonna much. do a side, do the suicide walk." <laughs> well, that was that was <laughs> a little more planned. Suicide prevention walk, uh, plug September nineteenth. Make sure you're there. Uh, but uh, you are doing that again. Yep, of course. You guys will be there. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. So we gotta beat our goal. So that's why. Oh Lord! I'm giving people more time this year. I would Much like to, more time. I would like to think that that had a little bit to input with them getting that included on that uh, starting one one two one two one one two one. I, I think it did. I, I really think that did. She said it started. I talked to her the other day, and she said that her the third. Sorry, brief reprieve here. <laughs> but uh, she said that the thirty six thousand dollars that was raised started a texting. Uh, so now teenagers can text. The Idaho Suicide Hotline, and actually Dude. have text conversation about, hey, I'm feeling suicidal and everything like that, where they didn't have that up and going before. So that's huge. And just quick that's backstory: awesome. that's direct effect from the Strength and Thrive Walkathon this last year, where yeah. this man sitting here next to me, along with us and all the other contributors, raised over thirty thousand dollars. For the Idaho Suicide Prevention Hotline. That's crazy. So, yeah. It's happening again, September 19th. Yep, definitely. All right. Uh, but anyway, going back to it is, yeah, you know, I mean, so, like I said, in one specific story, this kid was there. We came in from, I don't even remember, I think we were at a basketball game, and we came in, and there's puke everywhere. Like, just oh, no. layered in our apartment. I'm like, and they, my roommates are like, you better take care of this, Chad. Like, like, look at me. Like, uh, they're fine with the stray kitten being brought in as long as the stray kitten doesn't poop everywhere. <laughs> and so I go to him and he go, dude, get up now. Like, he's like, I'm like, why'd you drink alcohol? And he goes, well, I didn't. And I go, really? And he goes, and I go, well, then why'd you throw it all up? And he goes, I didn't. And I go, what's this stuff all over your shirt? And he was just a vomit all over. Oh, I made him get up, clean it all up, and you know, next two days he was out. But point of the matter, just stay more two more days. <laughs> you see how he rushed over that part? <laughs> <laughs> you puked everywhere. I let you stay two more days. <laughs> you could have stayed three. <laughs> he cleaned it up. But anyway, no. But the, the idea was is that yeah, there's always been an aspect, at least for me, that I give, um, that I like to give. You know. Shout out to Mike England. There was a time in uh, college, I was using his car, <laughs> and I came across a homeless guy, and he looked cold. Well, Mike had a sleeping bag in the back seat, so I just gave him Mike's sleeping bag. <laughs> Such a generous guy. I replaced it. He'd give it away I mean, other people. Mike, <laughs> Mike does something better. Actually, the funny part is, is later on, I had skipped class, and he was telling a story about how he's so hospitable he doesn't even know that he's hospitable <laughs> because he was telling him about the story and then 
two days later, I showed up to class, and he wasn't there, and I tried to tell that story again, and everyone started laughing. But anyway, but the idea of codependency is, is it's an it's a unhealthy dependence on relationship, and we want to rescue someone, and we, and, we, and we mistake pity and rescue for love and compassion. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that looks like is a lot of this also has a lot to play with low value. We don't really value ourselves. We're so we're seeking that value and helping some and helping else. someone else. Yep, exactly. Um, and that's a lot of times kind of expecting something in return. Well, yeah, I don't know if we kind of. I think it's the gratification, to, the feeling. Yeah, you're trying to get that value back. Yeah, you're trying to get that validation in, in return, and it's very transactional. So if you're in a codependent relationship. You know, Hannah, you mentioned how to break the cycle. We'll get to that. But if you're in that relationship, one of the biggest things that is is a key component of it is transactional. It's I feel like I have to do this, 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 and this in order to get this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and the problem with that kind of relationship model is we're still in the mode of rescuing. We're still feeling like I have to do da 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 to have any type of intrinsic value within myself, and so we move on and we, and and we feel like, as a codependent, we have an unhealthy uh, feeling of abandonment. So we will do anything to hold on to that relationship. This is why most women and men who are in domestic violence situations stay. We look at it, you and I or others, and like, man, you just got beat the heck out of what what's going on why would you stay with them why would you continue to be with her why would you do those things and a lot of it's because they have an unhealthy dependence on the relationship and they want to avoid the feeling of abandonment at all costs anything they can do to avoid the feeling of abandonment because of being abandoned again makes them feel what shame and devalued yeah right and so if i can even if i'm with this jerk then at least shows that somebody cares about me Someone wants to be with me, despite the fact that yeah. To the you, point where, rather than being alone, they would seek out destructive exactly. relationships. Yep, hundred percent. And they seek out that destructive relationship because that that feeling of having. See I, see, I just never knew how to really label it. Like, but I knew a good. A, he was a good friend of mine, but he dated. It was just his mo. He just picked things that he could fix. Yep. And once that, no, like. The idea of that something's going to be fixed, I mean, long-term, relationship-wise, you're talking marriage, you know, 20, 40, 60 years, there can't be that much shit broken. Right. You know what I mean? Or it's going to be a miserable relationship. It's doomed from the sure. get-go. Yeah, right. But, like, it's just, it's weird how the mind works, and they just get in that cycle, and they just keep, 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 keep. Well, Jamie mentioned that codependence... They love, narcissists love codependence. Why is that? Because they're easy to bring on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, narcissists. They can do whatever they want and they're pretty much guaranteed that that other person's not going anywhere. Exactly. What What is what is a narcissist? Anyone right. throw out a definition? You guys got one? Uh, overview is uh, one of several types of personality disorders is a mental condition in which people have inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. Can I break that down in your own words? 
an asshole. They're just they're basically right. They're just an a hole that feeds off of weaker people to build themselves up. They enjoy um, uh, I don't I don't really know how to word it. I know when I see it. It's just I just don't. Uh, it's a. Uh, I just for me it's simply just though I I see them as the feeding off the weak. Yeah. And they take advantage of people. And they, they take advantage of feelings. You know what I mean? They're, really, they're manipulative. Oh, very much so. You know what I mean? And that's they kind of need that knock others down below them to make themselves right? feel valued. Right. And like I think there's like varying degrees of that narcissistic <laughs> type behavior. Because to a certain degree, to me, that person that's seeking their, their value trying to build their own value and because they don't see the value in themselves and they're choosing to get into relationships where they're constantly trying to fix things and they're the savior. Yep. That's very narcissistic behavior at the same time, even though it's very codependent in a sense as well. Well, narcissists do something specific where they, they, they know how to trauma bond. Any, any idea what that means? Trauma bond? Yeah. I can make a guess. I can kind of guess on what that okay, means. Okay, well, go ahead. I mean, the, that you, you create you create an environment where they feel they I can get the bond that they share with you they can't have with anybody else. Okay, you sure. you knock them down to the point where nobody else is gonna love you. Sure, I love you. Nobody else will. You're a piece of shit. You're this. You're that. You're this. Yep. You're lucky. I even love you. Yeah. Or whatever it might be, yeah. and you traumatize that person to where they 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 have their value is is down to the point where they they honestly feel they cannot have a relationship with anybody else. True. Yeah. I would use like an example of um, partner A gets into a relationship with partner B. Partner A shares um, that maybe she shares that. Uh, that they survived a rape or incest or something to that effect. Partner B, that didn't really happen, but they take on that role of, oh, well, yes, this happened, and and pull that, and use that trauma as a connection. Yeah. Uh, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, That's kind of what I would picture when you're saying it. What, what it really means is essentially they, they have used examples of they've been physically abusive, emotionally abusive, possibly even sexually abusive, and they've, they've been that person who kicked you down to the dirt and kicked you and kept you in the dirt, but then they're also the person who rescues you and picks you up and says, hey, babe, oh, you know, I totally love you. And so now you're trauma bonded to them because every time there's a trauma and an abuse, there's also a bond that's formed with it because then it comes with all this loving thing. So most people that, <clears throat> most things that I hear from other people when it comes to, uh, uh, when it comes to the relationship side of things is, you know, hey, look, yeah, he was, he was a horrible jerk or she was horrible or whatever, but man, when it was good, oh my gosh, they loved me well. But then when it was bad, it was really ugly and bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it and it trauma bonds us to this to create this uh, connection piece to make us feel uh, connected. And, and narcissists have a way also that they know when when they feel like you start slipping away and pulling away, they love bomb you. That's what it's called. 
love bombing is like they just overwhelm you with all these compliments and praises and I'm gonna take you on a trip and I'm gonna do all these things so then you feel like oh this guy really values me or this girl really values me and really cares about me or he's changed or he's changed exactly or we believe they change or she's changed I mean there's one truth out here that you need to remember women and men when it comes to codependency and when it comes to narcissism is trust patterns and behaviors, not apologies. There's tons of apologies that are always going to happen, but why do they happen? They happen... Sorry. I'm ringing my ear. They happen because the uh, mindset is... I think I, I think they'll change. I think they'll be fixing. I mean, they're saying sorry, Chad. So they got to be better. But they're saying sorry because there's a motive behind it. If I say sorry, I get you back. And I get you back, I get to go yeah. treat you the same way again. Who has the most control in any relationship? You. Okay. The individual. Whether you use it or not, that's a different thing. <clears throat> The person who has the most control in any relationship is the person who cares the least. Because if if you get in a fight, Jack and Jill get in a fight, and Jill walks out and everything, Jack's like texting her, calling her, hey, when are you going to come back? When are you going to come back? She has the control right then. Now, should any relationship really have that? No. But in an unhealthy relationship, yeah. it's always a fight for that control. And codependents are constantly giving up that control for someone else because somebody else gets to determine their value. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, and the hardest part about that is a narcissist is someone who gaslights. Now what's gaslighting? Anyone know? What's gaslighting? I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna guess that's where you just kind of you, you, you start, paint yourself you in you paint yourself in a certain light, and you don't let anybody else see anything about you but that. That's pretty close. Um, kind of. Let's see if anyone else added anything. Anyone know what? Uh, you're crazy. Actually, absolutely, Jamie. You're 100% right. Gaslighting is a term from the 1940s. It's from a movie where essentially this guy made this woman actually believe she was crazy because he would do all these different little things that would make her feel like she's crazy. Like, I mean, subtle things, small things. Like, tell her one thing and then tell her, I never said that. I never did that. What are you talking about? When did I hit you? When did I do this? And then in front of family and friends, he would act like the perfect gentleman. So then when she would try to go to someone and be like, hey, Mike's, Mike's not being real. Mike's, Mike's, Mike's hurting me. Like, what? Give me a break, Mike. Mike's such a good guy. You know, he's such a good guy. And uh, it, it, it's interesting in the form of... Uh, on the form of uh, codependency, and when it comes to gaslighting with narcissists, they'll do things like, they'll make up stories, they'll tell you absolutely 100% that didn't happen, they'll, so you think like, no, I, I'm, am I losing my mind? Am I like seriously losing my mind that this didn't happen? No. Like, no, I know this happened, and they're like, no, I, I never said that. 
or I never meant it that way. You, you took it the wrong way, or you overreacted, or you whatever, right? Um, one particular story, I mean, just of, of, of note, you know, and this happened multiple times with multiple different people, but I, I can even recall one specific story where a guy was uh, sitting there reading the newspaper, wife came down, was getting a glass of milk, and set her glass on the side and heard one of the babies cry, and she went up, grabbed the baby real quick, and came back and was going to pour her milk. The guy got up, put her glass back away, and just sat back down like he was reading the newspaper. She came back down, like literally 30 seconds later, and was like, hey, she's looking around, she's like, I don't know what do I do with it? Where the hell did it go? And she goes, she says to her husband, she goes, hey, where's the glass I got out? He goes, you didn't get out of glass. And she's like, I swear I got out of glass. And he goes, maybe you thought about it, but I've been sitting there the whole time, honey. You didn't get out of glass. And this small little tactic is, is just that little sliver of doubt that gets you to start to question, it, am I going crazy? Am I going nuts here? I mean, what is going on here? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there must be something going on. That, <coughs> maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't get out. it out. You didn't fill up the gas tank. I mean, it's gone to such great lengths in different books where narcissists have drained gas tanks just to prove that, you know, you didn't go get gas last night. What are you talking about? Like, they have gone to great lengths to come bribing children, to doing all these types of emotional, physical abuse just as a way to control. Because for narcissists, whether knowing or unknowingly, it becomes like chess. And what they're doing is they're always playing a game of chess and trying to figure out a way to win because they have to be right at all times. And even when they're wrong, they're still right. So what's the end game of it, though? Control. Control? I mean, what's what's their ultimate ideal picture? Ideal picture is subservient kind of relationship or whatever they want as the domineering relationship. But they are also codependent on having that person there, so they're going to go to great lengths to to keep keep them there. Exactly. So so I know, right? You could be a narcissist and you could be a codependent at the same time. And usually, then you attract a spouse or try to take in a spouse that's also codependent. Because narcissists will play on the strengths of, oh, baby, I really need you. I need, I need your help to do these things. I need help um, getting my degree or going to school or I can't do it without you or all those things. So then the woman or the man feels very special and unique and like, oh, yeah, that's totally right. You know, I'm there, I'm there to help you and I'm going to help you. And then after a while, they're like, okay, why isn't he doing it himself? Why isn't he stepping up? And then when they try to call him out, you're, you're wrong. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think about that? I think it's sad that there's people out there that will, uh, that will literally go to those lengths. Exactly. Well, and Jamie said it herself, you know, I mean, then you even question the abuse. You start to say, well, is is the abuse that I'm going through really that bad? Now, the part of that is that value because of, okay, Mm -hmm. I don't feel that value within myself. So then I start to ask myself, well, okay, I mean, he pushed me one time. I guess it's not that bad. Or he only did this once. Well, I mean, he did it a few times, but it's not like I'm getting black and blue every time. He's not leaving marks, so I guess 
You know, I just have to make sure I control. Well, without even the me- the physical abuse, I mean, it because uh, I was just thinking it's not even necessarily. It doesn't even have to be like a, a marriage type relationship or boyfriend girlfriend relationship. It could be friend type friendship. Oh yeah, friendships so. can be that as, as, as twisted as well. And it's so, it's like, easier, slightly easier to walk away from friends because you're not living with them, you're not together with them all the yeah. time. So we can kind of put enough. But if you're space. if you have enough stuff going on, yeah, it can't be. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not as easy. Well, sometimes. and you, what starts to happen is here's the worst part. Yeah. Okay, so you get a codependent relationship, and then or or you get a codependent mom or a codependent dad or a codependent whatever. Then you get a codependent family. So then the mother and the sister and the sister and the brother and all of them become just this codependent cohort that no one ever addresses any feeling. So no conflict is ever addressed, ever. You know, no uh, no issues are ever handled. But they all share that same toxic connection. Exactly. And nobody will sever it. No one will sever it, 100%. And so, you know, the the hard part about this is... is in order to sever, or in order to break the codependency cycle, is you have to learn how to sever those relationships. You have to first, very first. <clears throat> those voices talking to him. <laughs> They're getting loud. Go the other way, Chad. <laughs> away from the light. Um, you have to first, you know, learn your own value. Your intrinsic value, who I am. So before you date or 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 develop friendships with people who may be codependent, you have to know your own value, mm-hmm. your own intrinsic value. I mean, and that, that's why in, in in counseling, I often tell people, "Hey, look, don't date until you're comfortable with yourself, and then once you're comfortable with yourself, keep doing the and things." They don't, and so many people don't listen. Yeah, like because I was just thinking. Kind of piggyback what you're saying is it's Who hard. Who that asked how do you break the cycle? There you go. Yeah. Hannah, yeah. yeah. There you go. And yeah, you learn that intrinsic value. Yeah. Because I've also it's seen... It's just a step. Just one I've of I've also steps. seen and, and watched in background of like people's relationships and how people, um, they like to throw out their little therapy diagnostics even though they have none. You know, oh, well, he's being this and he's yeah. being that, or she's doing this and she's doing that. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at your sources of where you're getting your help. You know, sometimes, the, yeah, they're, they're your best friend, but they're not in the position to diagnose necessarily. Because, like, let's be honest, when you're going, when you're sharing your side of the story, you leave out a little bit. I well, don't care right. who you are. Yep, right. You know, I mean, and as Man, friends, you woman, as friends, as a friend, thing. you naturally want to help you know? your buddy. And yeah, so you're going to you give that help, advice but... on really not good pretense. Oh like, yeah, hundred percent. You know, oh well, he's being narcissistic. You know, I wouldn't put up with that shit. You know, right. or I wouldn't put up with her shit if she was doing that. Right. And, like, tell you in that situation, you really it's know, a different situation. Yeah. Yeah, unless you go in and sitting down with a therapist or going to a mm-hmm. to a marriage retreat or you know. I just I Crystal asked, does marriage counseling work? Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna say any counseling is going to work if you go into it with the right mindset. Right. True statement. I don't know about any. 
Uh, well, if you have a good that, counselor, that's there. That's some that I would say because as somebody who's been pra- yeah, right. practicing going to therapy for twenty five years, like yeah, you just got to stick to it. It took me twenty three years to finally like I'm find the right some find the right practices out there that I wouldn't necessarily say are as effective. That's all I'll say. All right, all right. <laughs> But therapy is in general. Talk therapy. Sure, sure. Talk, talk therapy, therapy definitely can, about, can be very beneficial. If you have CBT the right stuff, person. Yeah. You know, the right person is is critical, in my opinion. You know, and then it actually got easier. Because actually, I switched counselors partway through the process of doing my stuff. And I'd been seeing them for quite a while, like two years. And I thought it was going to be really hard, but it was actually not as hard as I thought it would be, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a based upon, mindset based upon when time. I first started, yeah. it, I thought it was going to be really weird, so, yeah, you think a lot of that I, was your mindset it going takes into time. it, it I takes mean, time, oh, it definitely does, yeah. it takes time to get to where, you know, two years ago, I'd have lost my shit on Friday, yeah. finding out that I'm going to have surgery, it would have been catastrophic news, and I'd have been, sure. air, my day would have been ruined, I probably, I, yeah, it would have just been awful, right, but it boils down to a choice. You gotta, you gotta realize, and kind of like you were saying, finding your own intrinsic value. Your, yeah, your own self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you can call it a hundred different things, but like, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, and like knowing what makes you happy, like, sure, yeah, genuinely happy, not just going and you know, everybody's happy when they go right away <laughs> close to where they, yeah. but just to wake up and be happy, like that you're you. That's a hard thing to do sometimes. Completely. Well, like I said, is you gotta have. I mean, when it when it comes to codependency, you have to have intrinsic value. You know, if you have to know your worth and know that you are worth more than you know what we believe. See, we accept the love we think we deserve. That's how we end the end ourselves put ourselves in those codependent relationships is because somewhere along the line I was told or someone was told they didn't have enough value so then they sought value by saving and rescuing others or by replacing that love for pity and compassion but we accept the love we think we deserve and so because that's the only way we're going to tolerate abuse because I almost all the time if I always ask the 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 wives or, or even the husbands and I say hey if your daughter was in this relationship or your son was in this relationship what would you tell him to do well I wouldn't let him get in the relationship okay well then what do you think why why did they have value but you don't why do you get the opportunity to you know not walk away and they do and not that I'm saying they necessarily have to walk away I'm just saying in the sense of why not you stand up for your value if you want your kids to stand up for your value <clears throat> That makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have one without the other. I mean, our kids are modeling what they see out of us, and so this is why we have the repetitive cycles. So they say if abuse happens in one, like if you're abused by your mom or dad physically, then the chances well, are you hitting your kid is going to happen. What's that saying? You want to see who your son or daughter marries? Look in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you want to see the guy and the man your daughter's going to marry? Look in the mirror. Right. Look at look 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 at the example that you're setting. Yep. Because that's in how you show your affection to them and how you display 100%. and interact. That's It's all on you, dads. And same with moms with their sons, and it's vice versa. We have to set that example right? as parents. 
So in order to have those those healthy relationships and you want your kids to have that, you got to teach them and model what that looks like. You know, um, you have to model those kind of things. I mean, people who have been able to get out of those codependent relationships and get out of those uh, narcissistic relationships have, have transformed their lives in a healthy way. And they've learned one of the biggest things, which we will talk about next week, boundaries. They've learned boundaries. You know, boundaries are the key. It's the catalyst to making sure we're in a healthy relationship. Boundaries are the catalyst to making sure we're in a healthy relationship. You don't have boundaries, it's hard to be in a healthy relationship. That's the truth. So. You want to give them the final thoughts for the, <coughs> for the day? Yeah, final thoughts, I guess, for the day is just essentially, you know, Hey, look, if you're in a narcissist, if you're in a codependent relationship first, that, that starts with you. You got to find your own intrinsic value. Find out what you love, what you hate. Start to live according to that, you know, and don't settle for anything less than what you deserve. I mean, and know that what you deserve is to be treated with value. Every person on this planet deserves value. Um, and they deserve to be treated that way. And then second... If you're a narcissist out there and you want to recognize it, you can get help. I mean, it's a hard thing to break that cycle, but you can get help. Um, because either one way or another, you're going to wake up one day and that woman or that man is going to leave you. Or you're going to push them so far away that it gets to that point. I mean, and <clears throat> sad to say, most narcissists usually become violent. Because it's about possession and control. And when someone starts to resist, start losing that, resist that possession and control, yeah. it starts to be you like... See it in all the Lifetime movies. Well, exactly. If I can't have you, I'm going to kill Nobody you and can. the family and myself. And unfortunately, it's the truth, though. That's it happens just, all the time. You see it a lot. Murder, suicide murder, happens suicide, all the time. Murder, yep. suicide. And so if you're in a with someone who's a narcissist, look strongly at trying to get out or trying to get some separation or... You're not crazy. Yeah, you're not crazy. You know, a book to check out is uh, You're Not Crazy, You're Codependent. That's a healthy book for you. Um, that's a good one. Codependent No More, also good. And if we didn't get to any of your questions in the comments, we'll get to them. Because, um, like, Crystal, you were asking about fi locating counselors such as Chad. We'll make sure that we get into the chat and, and see if we can find some links. Psychology and stuff Today like that. is the best way to do it. Just go to psychology today you can find whatever counselor you're looking for and then make sure to and join our group and go see different ones go yeah. see i mean meet them interview them i mean Treat i do, like do, a do you remember interview. the first time? <laughs> uh, yeah i remember the first time i went in i interviewed that counselor i mean i needed to know that <laughs> this guy's got my back you, you know, know? <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit yeah so nice. like and then you know make sure to join our facebook group because we're going to get better about sharing different links to this kind of stuff. Because in there we can have files and we can share all that kind of stuff. For sure. And you can share stuff in there as well. So, like, let's keep this going and yep. keep the conversation going. Yep. So, until next week. Boundaries next week. Love you guys. See ya.